friends, and welcome back to Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as Rob likes to call it, the show that really, really helps you grow. <laughs> Are you excited to get to say the tagline? I to add those uh, extra words to just emphasize. Really, like, really, really helps you. Really <laughs> helps you. And grow. I love books, so you know this is like my jam. We start talking about books. Uh, yes, I, I we, you. I think this was actually one of your ideas was to do a I mean, book. Aren't they all my ideas? Okay, Jason. gosh, we're starting this whole show. We're starting strong idea. right now. Okay, okay, <laughs> friends, let me, let me back down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like books. Thank you, Jason. You're an amazing podcast. In, in case this is your first episode and you're hearing <laughs> hearing this type of opening, this is a Saddleback Church podcast, and uh, my name is Jason. This is Rob. We're on the spiritual growth team here at Saddleback Church. We are in the middle of a uh, summer book series right now. And um, so we've done uh, three books so far. We did um, Celebration of the Discipline. We did um, The Weight of Glory. We did Practicing the Presence of God. And now Rob is bringing us his book choice for his summer reading list. Yes, yes. This is actually ties in well with uh, the one that we heard with Heather Kova, who did um, Practicing... No, wait, hers was... Practicing the presence, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that was two weeks so ago. So this yeah. book is named "Abide in Christ." It's a thirty-one day devotional for fellowship with Jesus. It was written in eighteen eighty-eight by Pastor Andrew Murray, who is a Dutch Reformed Church missionary that was sent from Scotland to South Africa. He's a graduate of the University of Aberdeen. So shout out to Jamin Gog and Kyle Strobel, <laughs> guys who've been on the show before, who are both Aberdeen connections, both Aberdeen grads. But basically, the book is a 31-day devotional. It's an examination of John 15, the vine and the branches. Mm. Um, And it's just, it's great. It's a little bit of a longer than a typical devotional, obviously written in 1888. They had a little longer, uh, you know, time uh, ability to... He was paid by the word, so he was just making it it last. (laughs) Their attention span was a bit longer in 1888, but it's, it's a great book. Mm, okay, so when was the first time that you read it, and what sort of impact did it have on you when you read it? I read this book a few years ago, um, and what sort of impact did it have? Actually, not much. Um, I think someone had recommended it in terms of, uh, you know, like one, it's just a, it's a Christian classic. You should read it, and so I read it, and it, you know, it was it was fine. Um, but in the subsequent years, I think myself and even us as a team on 201, we've, I think we've deepened our understanding of what, um, what when we talk about abiding um, and how central that is to our, to our life in Jesus, uh, what abiding and how powerful that is. It, abide comes from the Greek word meno. And so think about, uh, it means to like to remain, to not depart, to continue to be present. To remain as one, not to become another or different. Um, you words we might be more familiar with would be like union, with, together, fellowship, dwell, in, communion, and the word I love, attachment. Mm-hmm. And so, I think this book, when I read it, um, I'm actually finishing it right now. So, for the last um, several weeks. It's just been interesting to, it's, you know, one of those things where, you know, where God finds you in a different place. Um, and so reading it and then seeing it through the lens of some of the things we've studied and I've studied, um, and you, you kind of see, oh, okay. It, has, it takes on a different meaning. Um, and so it's been 
much more powerful this time than reading it the first time. Um, and so that's why I chose to bring this book to our audience and to the show. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, okay, so you read it the first time and it was a recommendation and you go through and you're like, yeah, this is this is good. I can I can see this. But it, again, it doesn't sound like it hit you in the same way that it is right now. Um, and I think that's, it's almost like an encouragement that we should give to listeners is go back and revisit some books that you were like, you know what? I bet you that would hit me differently now than it was, you know, it, it would then. I think we talked about this a bit with Heather too, um, about how you can read books in different seasons and just glean different things out of it. God just, you know, shines a light in a different place. Yes. I, I heard once, uh, a professor say that life is too short to read a lot of books. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what a horrible idea that is. <laughs> but there's some truth in that, in that, um, you know, we think about how often we go back and read the Bible over our lifetime and how every time we engage with the Bible, we're in a different place in our lives. And so there can be things in the Bible that jump out to us. The Spirit illuminates new things to us because of the context of our lives. And we are always changing. The Bible doesn't change. But it can speak to these different things. And I think that's true for some books that, you know, like these great classics that stand alone for, you know, people would say, oh, I want to read Aristotle's Ethics or something. Yeah. Or um, for me, like Lord of the Rings is another one of those books where mm -hmm. you, you read it and then you read it a few years later, or five years later, or even if you read it with your kids and then yeah. it takes on a different meaning. And so this this is similar. It just it hit me when I was in a different place having a different understanding of something. And then it just, everything was jumping off the page at me. So it was like one of those books where I end up highlighting everything to the point where like, this is just silly. I'm highlighting everything. <laughs> uh, but it was, yeah, it's just a book that really resonated because it connected so deeply with some of the things I was coming to see and understand about, um, you know, the neurology of the brain, the mm. way we change our character development and those sorts of things and what it, and how abiding is so deeply, deeply connected to that reality. It, is that what made you pick it up again to start to go, yes. going through again a couple weeks ago? Yes. Yeah. It, we, you know, we've, we've read some books as a team recently that have spoken to the power of attachment and how attachment is such a fundamental part of how we grow and develop. And so this, you know, attachment, you're thinking about the, being connected, deeply connected with another well, abiding is deeply connected with Jesus, right? It's mm -hmm. the, the idea of, and especially as teased out through that chapter in John, where it's, you know, that he is the vine, we are the branches. I'm like, well, so it's almost hard to tell where one begins and one ends, right? So like that idea of being so deeply connected to Jesus that it's you're inseparable, right? Yeah. The idea of being in Jesus, Jesus is in us and we are in Jesus. Like, well, what does that mean? You know, and how do you begin <laughs> to live that? Well, this book does a great job of kind of pulling some ideas out to help us with that. It's written in 1888. So there's a lot of, you know, yees and some of the, <laughs> there, some of the language feels a little old. Yeah. Um, and some of the, the translation choices, it's, you know, it's King James stuff, but um, it's just a great book. It really is. And because it's a devotional, you can kind of, you're working through to go somewhere. So you're working through that, that passage in John 15. And then there, it, he ties a couple of other verses together in some of the other days, but it's really, it's just great. What had your relationship with John 15 been like before reading this book? Well, you know, I think we, we, 
talk about the idea of the vine and the branch and the idea of that fruit coming from us. I think the question was always like, well, what does that actually mean? It's an interesting metaphor. It's an interesting picture. Okay, he's the vine, I'm the branch. Yeah. And then, But when you start to think about, okay, well, then the fruit that I produce in my life really is not something I'm producing. It is something that comes through me. I'm simply a conduit of it. Yeah. And so, okay, so if you think of fruit of the Spirit that way, I'm not the one who's forcing or willing myself to be loving. It is Jesus that is loving coming through me. It is yeah. not myself who's forcing myself and striving to be patient. It is Jesus's patience coming through me. And that only happens because we are deeply attached. And neurologically, you find that attachment is the, the base of the brain is the attachment center. So every piece of stimulus that's coming into us is coming through the attachment center to begin with. So in other words, who or what we're attached to is has a massive impact of filtering out the things that we will choose to consider on the left side of the brain, or it has a massive impact on the emotion center, which sits above the attachment center. So, so much of what we think and feel is determined by who we think we're attached to or what we're attached to, unfortunately, mm. in some cases. Um, so I think that's been one of the reasons that it's, it's had more of an impact on me that the second reading. Well, yeah, in John 15, it's, I mean, it's, it is almost like the perfect Bible chapter to fit with this topic, because as you were saying, it's that metaphor of the vine and the branches, and when you really think about, you know, how how a vine and a tree or a branch, how they bear fruit. It's not, as you said, they're not striving. They're not like going, I need this fruit to grow, you know, <laughs> like I need to do all this work. Exactly. It that- just happened. It's it's how God made it to happen because it's rooted into the ground. The roots soak up the nutrients and therefore the tree is going to grow branches, leaves, and fruit. If it's, you know, it has, because that's how God designed it to work. It's easy. It's yeah. the, it's the easy yoke, right? Yeah. And so I, you start to think about the fruit of the Spirit as the fruit of the character of G, of Jesus coming through us. So in moments in our lives, we don't stop and pause to think, hmm, how shall I be loving to this screaming three-year-old right now, you know? <laughs> or, hmm, how shall I be joyful in this line waiting to get on board an air, you know, airplane to go like, or how should I be patient with the kid kicking my seat? Um, (laughs) It's, it comes naturally out of you because of who you are attached to. So it's flowing through you. And so when I think we, we struggle when we get in this idea of like, well, I have to produce these things and that's really hard to do on your own. And that becomes the heavy, the heavy yoke. Of it. You're trying to create things that you're you're probably not capable of generating. Where if you could let Jesus, who's can love perfectly, and whose very nature and character is love, can come through you, well, it's much easier to have the fruit of the spirit per se at the end of your at the end of your branch. <laughs> um, and that only comes from abiding. That only comes neurologically from deep attachment. In a way, like, so if we took the fruit of the spirit for the, as the example here, and we're talking about, like, you know, I think it's so common to hear people say, like, I just need to have more patience, or 
you know, I just need more self-control or whatever it is. It's all about the, I must do this. I must grow in this, whatever it is. And what we're kind of saying in what this, in what this chapter is really implying is you need to focus on your connection, on your attachment with Christ. Yes. And those things will come. See what we're, yeah, exactly. What we're discovering is that attachment is the beginning of identity change. It's not knowledge. I mean, knowledge, we have to have a saving knowledge of Jesus. But once we are saved by Jesus, filled with the Spirit, that's attachment, filling with the Spirit. So we are never not attached to God, right? Because we are are filled with one person of the Trinity, in a sense. So it's it's not knowledge of like, do I know that love is good? Oh, let me stop and pause here and think about my knowledge of love and how I should apply it in this situation. It's hard to do that. So it's not knowledge, and it's also not the idea, well, I'm, I'm going to be more loving. In other words, I'm going to choose to make better choices around love. That's incredibly hard to do as well. <laughs> um, and it's not power. It's not the power of technique or method or model. Of like, well, I read this cool three-step thing of how to love people. It's like, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> um, Attachment in our brain, it's something, it's because it's, it's part of our brain, obviously formed by God. So maybe we should be thinking about how did God design this brain and mm. why is attachment being found in the neurology of the brain so connected seemingly with what the Bible's talking about and Jesus is talking about an abiding and union and dwelling. And so, you know, in, we, when we're born, when babies are born, they come out looking for someone not something. They come out looking for the face that's happy to see them. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're born again, we come out looking for someone or someones, not something. So we want, when we're born again, we, we're looking for the face of Jesus that saves us, but also for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in the church who pull us into this family. We, you know, we're adopted now into the family. So again, attachment there. So even if you think about the church, it's attachment. We are now, we belong to the body uh, we have brothers and sisters. That's all attachment language. You can't not be part of the body if you're a body part, right? It doesn't yeah. <laughs> work. If you have brothers and sisters, you're in a family. That's attachment. So what, what neurologists know is that attachment's the strongest force in the human brain. And it's not an emotion, although we feel it strongly, but it runs very, very deep in our brain. It's, and it's below willful control. So the idea that you're going to, well, I will just force my abiding. I will force my attachment. You, you, you don't have control over that. You can't will it. Um, it's so deep into the brain. And so attachment's just the best word that scientists right now can come up with to describe the thing that glues people together. Um, it produces this enduring care or well-being. The Hebrew word for this is hesed, um, and it's, uh, it just means that we're like basically connected and glued together. It cements us together. And so if you think about the brain that God designed— this is a simplistic formula. Obviously, the brain doesn't work perfectly this way. But like the left side, so to speak, is kind of the beliefs and doctrines and willpower and strategies. But the right side is begins with loving attachment and then emotional development. And the, and the primary emotion there should for us is joy. Or that's what we want is joy. Mm-hmm. And you see joy all through the Bible. And so if you begin to think of joy as the idea that someone is glad to be with me, well, that's Jesus, that's God the Father, that's the like Holy Spirit that's always glad to be with you. Um, and then so then moving up in, into the brain, you have group identity and individual identity. All of that is shaped by the what you attach to. 
Now, unfortunately, some of us attach to things other than God. We make loving attachments with things that give us the emotional soothing we're hoping for. Sometimes that looks like substances. Sometimes it looks like things we watch. Sometimes that looks like people we spend our time with Mm -hmm. inappropriately, like those sorts of things that are kind of these fake, false uh, loves. But 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 you know but the but the point is we need both right we need we need knowledge knowledge is knowledge is what we're doing right now we're sharing knowledge knowledge is probably how you came to understand that you needed salvation in Jesus yeah but the knowledge is part of then waking us up to the other side of what the brain is which be, it begins with the place of attachment so if you go look at a verse like John 17 21 through 22 Jesus speaking to the father said, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I father are joined together as one attachment. I pray for them to become one with us attachment so that the world won't recognize that you sent me for the very glory you have given to me. I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity we enjoy. That's Attachment, 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 <laughs> yeah. attach, attachment with God, attachment with each other. And so I wonder sometimes if we lived as if it was true. So in other words, knowledge, again, we're not saying knowledge isn't good. Knowledge is very good. But if we believe the knowledge that we're getting here in the Bible is true, that we are joined with Jesus, what do you suspect our choices would look like? Yeah. Um, because if you look, if you go now, go back to John, not John 15, which is what, the book is mostly about, but go back a chapter before the John 14, where he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. In both cases, the key to obedience is love. Well, love is attachment to someone or something. Uh, so it's just, it's just infused. So when you, when you think about the power of abiding, the power of attachment, and then you read this book and it just starts to give you kind of insights, um, this guy was a—he was a brilliant writer. So he just gives you insights in the, into these and in glimpses into like, what might this look like? How could this play out in your life? And so it's just fascinating, and especially in a devotional way. Well, and I—I I think the word that's almost the theme in all of this—that it's probably I've been obvious to everybody listening, but I don't think we actually said the word—is relationship. Like that's—that seems to be the key function of this uh, of everything related to attachment abiding is it's your relationships as we're ta- as we talked about the necessary of attachment to others to our brothers and sisters that's relationship is we're talking about our attachment with Christ and abiding in what what the book and the chapter is really getting at is that's talking about relationship and that's language that people can kind of wrap their heads around a little bit more right maybe you've never heard of attachment theory and the you know and, neuroscience related to attachment center, but you've heard of relationships <laughs> and that's something yeah. that's also you, well, you've heard of, you've, you've heard of with, you've heard of connected, yeah. you've heard of, uh, you know, being in all of those things are just symbolizing in that, that attachment, that abiding. Yeah. So if, if, if you break down this book, what it's, it sounds like is it's almost a devotional guide to relationship with Jesus. It's just talking about what does that truly look like and what does that truly mean? Yeah. And, and so what 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 it's not is like a book of say like spirit of the disciplines where yep. it's like these are actually 
disciplines that these you practice that kind of create this possibility for a, you know a deeper experience with with God um, through these different disciplines. What this book is trying to do is say that you are already connected deeply with Jesus, yeah. and so his life is flowing through you. What then does your life become, and what yeah. could it manifest? So. Like the other day I was talking to someone and I said, what do you think Jesus prays for you? Hmm. And if you knew what Jesus prayed for you, wouldn't it be interesting to start praying that as well? So that's what's the branch praying and then I'm the vine. So I start praying. That. Yeah. Um, and so that cliche of what would Jesus do is, you know, okay. You know, we like to tease that people wear the bracelets or whatever, but yeah. in some ways it's very true um, hmm. because it's not what would Jesus do, is what does Jesus do, and I do that too. I do that naturally, um, and I think that's the goal, is to to do what Jesus would do if Jesus were me. Yeah, it's not just make the good choice, right? I think that's right. what a lot of people think of when they think of those WWJD, is like, what's the good versus bad choice here? But it's really talking about like a life lived. You know, It's talking about what it truly means to be connected, and what does that uh, outflow look like? Yeah, like the, the sap of Jesus running through our lives yeah. is, is not like, well, what's the choice here? It's like, well, there is no choice. It comes out, and it comes out in this way, and this is what it looks like, and this is what it creates, and this this is what it provides to people. I mean, because, again, the fruit, who's the fruit for? Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, it's... The, the fruit is, you know, is something that we can produce for other people. Yeah. Um, so we want to love God deeply and love ourselves appropriately. And the, and the fruit of that connection then allows us to love others as ourselves. And I think a few weeks ago, we heard Andy Stanley talking about how do you love your enemies? Mm -hmm. Well, it's pretty hard to do if you're not attached to divine love. Yeah. But if you're attached to divine love, you, you have a greater chance of being able to love your enemies because there's a greater chance that you actually could connect and attached to your enemies, in a sense. So you think about the early church, was was the author Scott McKnight would say it was a fellowship of difference, um, or D.A. Carson, I think, calls it like, it's a room full of enemies, in a sense. So mm -hmm. you, know, you have Greeks and Jews, you have Jews and Gentiles, you have Scythians and barbarians. It's like, well, those people are, en are enemies, and they're not saying, hey, stop being a Scythian, stop being a barbarian, stop being, you know, a Gentile, yeah. they're saying, no, Jesus is what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is what we're about. We attach and unite to each other because we attach and unite to Jesus. Um, so again, that, that's, that would, I mean, the fruit of loving your enemies, that is now talk about a mark of being a mature believer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, this book is, you know, it's not going to solve all these issues, <laughs> for me, but it is just, it's a, I think it will help people in a devotional type of format. So you kind of, you stay in this theme for 31 days and you kind of work through, he kind of goes verse by verse um, and then adds and then ties in others, but it's just, it's really interesting. And uh, yeah, I just found it very powerful. Yeah. A little bit later this fall, we're going to do a series on loving your enemy. And, um, and we have a book in mind that we're going to tie into that as well. So, so be on the lookout for that. If, if that little part of this conversation was like, hey, like, wait, keep talking about that. We will. We're, we're going to do a whole series on that um, a, a little bit later this fall. I wanted to ask, is there a, 
like a quote or a passage or a part of the devotional um, that has really just stood out to you? That's just made a kind of imprint on you. Uh, there's one I really enjoyed, and it says, Think first of the origin of that life of Christ and the Father. They were one, one in life and one in love. In this, his abiding in the Father had its root. Though dwelling here on earth, he knew that he was one with the Father, that the Father's life was in him and his love on him. Without this knowledge, abiding in the Father and his love would have been utterly impossible. And it is thus only that thou canst abide in Christ and his love. Know that thou art one with him, one in the unity of nature. By his birth he became man and took thy nature that he might be one with thee. By thy new birth thou becomest one with him and art made partaker of his divine nature. The link that binds thee to him as as real and as close as bound him to the Father, a link of divine life. Yeah, I can see how that sits with you. <laughs> it's just so weighty. It's just, I mean, divine love, divine attachment, um, not man-made, not self-generated, not forced or willed, or if I think good thoughts or make yeah. super great decisions. It's like, no, divine attachment and his life flowing through my life. I don't, I don't pretend at all to have this figured out. <laughs> That's why I read the book. Um, but gosh, what would it be like just to, to know that every moment that his life be, could become pouring through my life because he's so attached to the Father, he only does the Father's will. And because I'm attached to Jesus, I'm only doing what Jesus wills. And I mean, that's participation in the Trinity. Yeah. You know? And so, man, talk about abiding. I, I, I get the feeling that divine is a word and a concept that we truly don't get. Mm. And it, it maybe it's it, it may be that people feel, I don't know, a little silly or whatever to, you know, you know, believe in something, you know, be like, I'm going to trust in this divine, you know, whereas, you know, we're so focused on the tangible, on the real or, or things that culture tells us what whatnot. And, but the idea of this a divine love, this divine life that was talked about in there is so powerful and strong, but we tend to kind of, I think, kind of, okay, you know, just kind of walk past it a little bit. Yeah, I man, this would be an epic, soon to becoming doable discipleship episode. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, when you're talking divine life, you're talking life. And so yeah. we... I think we can get lost in the, well, I'm going to go to heaven one day. You know, I accepted Jesus, I'm going to heaven, yeah. and now I'm going to trudge through this I think life. that's almost as divine as people get sometimes. Sure. It's like, sure. heaven, great. I want to be there. I don't want to be in the other place, so I want to be in heaven. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and and so well, I'll, I'll read my, I'll read the Bible, because I guess that's sort of a divine book. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, it's the idea that, wow, what if I, t- I can talk to God? Well, that's divine communication right? Um, I can love others in such a way that they can recognize the Jesus in me. Okay, well, that's divine relationship. Yeah. That's divine, you know. So 
Yeah, I, th- I think there's something to that. I think the word is it's it's a word that we're just not familiar with, or a word that we sit much with. But it's th- something that we should definitely be thinking a little more about because it's not a divine future one day where we're thinking. You know, it's not just that. Yeah. You know, we miss what's around us so often because, uh, you know, we're forgetting that. No, we, you are literally in Jesus, and Jesus <laughs> is in you right now in that meeting. Yeah, in, that, in your home, washing those dishes, in the car, yeah, picking up the groceries, you know, pay, dropping off the kids. It's every moment, every breath, in Christ, in Christ in you. Yeah, we've taken taken the word and kind of just lessened it, right? Like people say, you know, like, oh, that meal was divine, or whatever, or. Or you just think about it in terms of like the Christmas season because you, because you hear oh holy night and they use the word divine in there and it, and that's just what you frame it around and what in but what we're saying is that there's so much more that's a part of it that's a part of you already that if we just kind of if you're able to grasp it or to even start to acknowledge it and to look for it then you'll see just this just this um ocean that exists of what this divine relationship between you and Jesus and the Trinity and being a part of a part of that divine life, which is just life, as you said, you know, I don't think we have to separate a divine life from life because life comes from God. Mm. Um, that there's, it would just, it would almost completely just shatter your worldview and, 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 help, and just open your eyes to a whole different way of approaching not just the grand scheme of life, but your day-to-day, like what you were saying. Yeah, I think so. So mm-hmm. look forward to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, we got two big topics that we want to do out of this one. So, I mean, I, I, obviously this book is powerful. So give us your your pitch, your you know, why should people pick up this book uh, this uh, right now and check it out? Give us your best pitch. I would say that the the nature of our attachment to God is grace. And we've heard that word many times, grace. And grace is simply just a Greek word, kairos, it's gift. And we think about it as that time when we accepted Jesus or became saved. But what it, what it meant in Roman culture was when I give you this, when I offer you this kairos, this gift that you do not deserve, mm-hmm. I am offering it freely of what I want to do for you. If you accept it, you are in ongoing relationship with me. It's not a one-time momentary thing. It's you and I are now in a relationship. In a sense, you and I abide with each other. And the emotion of that is joy. And joy, again, is a reflection of attachment, of abiding. It's the sure knowledge that someone is glad is looking at me and glad to be with me. And so we think of the shape of that attachment as our group and our individual identities. And so the we will do as individuals who we believe we're a part of. So if you believe deeply that you are part of the family of God, a child of God, then that will play out in your individual identity. Again, abiding, right? Who who we abide with. And so then the things that we do, ultimately, the fruits of our life, the fruits of our character that, you know, that come out and that the people see is entirely all the way back to the root of who, or unfortunately for some, what 
but who we are abiding in. And so this book is important because abiding is important. Yeah, and and it's done in the devotional manner, so you can engage with it every day. You can feel like you're making progress through it. Love it. Well, friends, if that doesn't get you to check this book out, I don't know what will. Oh, you know what I think, too? This book is so old that it's free. Even better. Uh, so I think if you, if you have a Kindle, you can download it for free. You can probably get it on like any, you could probably download a PDF right now of it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure if you want to listen to it, the the public uh, audio LibriVox, I bet they have a copy of it that you can listen to it as well. Well, we should have led with that. It's free. It's free. Uh, and it has the power to transform your life. Days of free, <laughs> free goodness. <laughs> Uh, so friends, be sure to check out that book. We'll put the links in the show notes too, so you have easy access to those. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for sharing this book with us. It was great to abide with you. <laughs> for these <Gosh>. And uh, yeah, lots of more good episodes to come. Um, next week and the week after, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. And I'll, I'll give you a little tease right here. We've talked to lots of people in uh, yeah, on this show uh, over two hundred and eighty something episodes over uh, about their lives, but you've never. I, I realized recently we've never really talked about our own lives. So Linda and I are going to be on, and we're going to kind of interview each other about our lives. So could be interesting. Are you going to divulge all your deep dark secrets? Um, we'll see how it gets. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens in the course of the pod. You never know. But uh, yeah, it should it should be fun. So, um, friends, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with you uh, next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.